So, how does one recover from sex and love addiction? Well, a lot of work over a long period of time. I mean, I watch those clips and it makes me really sad because in my career I've um, known people who have either certainly thought about killing themselves, if not attempted suicide over this problem. And depending on how serious the person's issues are will depend on what uh, venue they can get help from. Many, many people get sober in 12-step programs the world over. Um, it's a free program, it's a self-help program, it's a community, an army of people helping people that I think is extraordinary and we're really, really lucky to have such a robust um, sexual recovery community in this city. Um, if somebody can't stay sober in a 12-step program, there are individual therapists that are trained in treating sex and love addiction. Um, at organizations like mine, the Center for Healthy Sex, we offer a step up, which is an intensive outpatient program. And if somebody's got multiple addictions, which oftentimes people that have this problem do, alcoholism, drug addiction, eating disorders, um, an inpatient stay is recommended for 30 or 40 days. But people do recover their lives from this problem. They go on to live healthy lives, vital lives. I've had many people get married on my watch and have children and um, repair marriages that were just ripped apart from this problem, 20 years of lying plus. So people do get help and do reclaim their lives. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm gonna take a brief detour into sci brain science, if I may, because I'm actually a, a science geek despite my appearance. Um, <laughs> the, um, one of the, I spoke earlier about the uh, Society of Addiction Medicine saying that this is essentially a brain disease and what a lot of the researchers believe now is that people prone to addiction have a defect in the reward center of the brain of one of the, um, one of our recovering addicts spoke about just going directly to the reward center and getting that immediate payoff um, from something that's highly stimulating, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex. Um, infatuation, my favorite drug, infatuation, um, which are, as Chris spoke of, very heavily dopamine um, uh, laced. And what we do as we go directly taking that shortcut bypassing the prefrontal cortex, which is where you make good decisions, like I will not cheat on my spouse, I will not pay all this money for prostitutes, I will not get caught with porn on my office computer. We bypass that decision-making area of the brain and just take a shortcut directly to the, the reward center down in the, you know, the caudate region. And the more we do it, the deeper we cut what I call the, the, the cow path, the neural cow path. And that is the, that's the addiction cycle that helps create this horrible uh, cycle of craving, repetition, compulsion, and withdrawal. When we start changing our behavior and you think, well, how can going to meetings and, mm -hmm. and you know, calling someone and telling them what they're thinking and all these namby-pamby things that people do with therapists or in 12-step groups, how is that going to change an addict brain? Well, what it does is it starts slowly moving you out of that neural cow path. It starts creating new connections. It starts using the neuroplasticity of our brains in our favor instead of against us. And slowly it'll work new brain pathways through the prefrontal cortex and stop taking that awful short circuit through, you know, a, in, directly into the reward center of the brain. Because the horrible thing about desensitizing yourself for dopamine is that the more you hit yourself with dopamine, the more desensitized you become. And that just increases the, the vicious cycle. 
And so the way to break an addiction is to change your behavior until you actually start changing your brain chemistry. And just as the genetics, the, um, the um, neurochemistry and the behavior intertwined to create the addiction, you can do the same thing to untangle them and untangle the addiction. That was my detour into science. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> and thank God for brain plasticity. Yes. I mean, it's, but you know, what's important to me is a lot of education as well. Based, you know, I agree with what they both said. I work, I run a lot of groups, sex and love addiction groups, and we talk a lot about the symptoms and the signs, and then I say to them, well, what does a healthy relationship or a healthy sexuality look like? And they don't know, and they're not supposed to know, because culturally we're very sick in terms of both of those. And I say to them, don't go ask your friends, they don't know any better as well. They don't know any better. So uh, a lot of the work is about educating them on what the goal looks like, what new behaviors that they want to try to you know, lay down in their wiring of their brain and, and, and habituate themselves to. Um, so I think education is a key component. And you know, 12-step program, it works for some people. It's not for everyone. But either way, you need a healthy social support network that kind of holds you accountable to better behaviors, holds the bar high for yourself. Um, I think that's a really important component as well. Well, yeah, because this is in its, at its core an attachment disorder, and right. so communing with other human beings, mm -hmm. knowing that somebody's actually going to be there for you, that you will get your needs met, that you matter in the world, that starts to change the attachment center of the brain as well. And to the addicts, uh, would you like to speak about recovery? Miles, uh, sex addict. Um, first off, I, I, I want to say that you know not all twelve-step programs are are for everybody. They are not all built the same. Uh, I am a big proponent with sex and love addiction of therapy, uh, particularly because I, I, with sex addiction, it's, it's everyone has such differently personalized pathologies of what their thing is. It's amazing, you, you sit in a uh, meeting with, with all these men and, you, and, and half of them I, I can't relate to their experiences, but I can you know, relate to the feeling of, of, of degradation and uh, hopelessness, but in terms of them trying to find a, behavior, you know, a, a healthy sexual behavior, a non-compulsive sexuality, for the future, you know, I, I would hate to have to rely on, on the lay people to say, you know what, this is maybe a good idea and this maybe isn't, and that's, that's why I think it's very beneficial to have someone who's worked with a lot of, you know, sex addicts and, 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 and has all that information. So I'm a, I'm a very big proponent of, of, of therapy in that regard. And, and I'm curious, um, Carmen um, and Bud, uh, did you work with therapists as well? Uh, Carmen, sex and love addict. I was really fortunate in the early days. It's been about 13, 14 years that I've been in recovery. Um, I did get to um, go to two inpatient treatment centers when I started this process because I was trying to commit suicide. Um, and so, yes, I did, and then I did outpatient treatment. Um, and I had brilliant therapists who I drove crazy, but they stuck with me and really helped me and taught me what I needed to know. From there, I was able to get into 12-step program, uh, uh, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, where I've been um, in, in the last 13 years. And so it was, in the early days, a lot, a lot of um, therapy that, that uh, started my process, yes. And I'm bisexually compulsive. I, uh have seen, well, I've gotten the benefit of other people's therapists uh, by being in the 12-step programs. 
The best recovery I've seen have been in people that come into the program and they have a therapist and attending regularly the 12-step recovery meetings of their choice. And uh, in ours, we establish a sexual recovery plan that's consistent with our values so that uh, if I make the rules and then I break the rules, that says something about me. We would never say that our program is the only way to recover. There are many ways to recover and we want the best for you. You go to where you need to to get the recovery. But it's uh, important that when you find a place that you feel comfortable, get to know them, let them know you, and bond with people. Uh, make mistakes, learn, and you will do better. It's important to stick around because it doesn't happen overnight. But if you keep sticking around, it will eventually happen. And I want to just chime in on, on one other thing, Miles, sex addict here. Um, the, because I, I really feel it's, it's so beneficial to have a, uh, a therapist, the, the thing that, that is unfortunate is a lot of the people that I've met who really clearly need a therapist are unable to uh, afford therapy. And the unfortunate thing right now is because these are sort of the, the early pioneering days of, of really making uh, uh, sex addiction recovery mainstream that I don't, I, I don't think that type of thing is, is readily available where people can find you know, floating scale, unless, unless the experts out there can tell me otherwise, but that would be uh, really great if there, there were something available for the people who um, are financially challenged. I agree. You have to be careful who you see treatment-wise. There's a lot of people that claim to be specializing in this that have no training and no background, and that horrifies me. Um, Therapy is expensive, and you know I think a lot of times this might sound rough, but it has to come from your self-esteem that you're worth putting the time and money into making it work. Good therapists charge a lot, and if you can't afford that, um, group is always an option, and there are low-fee, sliding-scale places that might not be trained in this, but they can still work with some of the symptoms like the depression, anxiety, and boundary setting. And yeah, and good addicts, and not a lot of self-esteem. Yeah. yeah. But they will spend a lot of money on acting out sexually. Well, and that's what it is. You'll drop all that money and you find a way to make it worth acting right. out, but you can't pull together for a therapist. Prostitute therapist. Yeah, sure. <laughs> God bless it. Um, well, and to close out, Brandon, hopeless, eligible for recovery, how would you treat him? Oh, I want to take a survey. Who thinks that Brandon is going to, he's, he's going to do the right about face at the end yeah. of this film and walk away from the woman towards health? And who thinks he's going to go fall back into his uh, old pattern? So healthy, show of hands. Yikes. Back into the old way, show of hands. He's back. Okay, I think it's a room full of pessimists. I'm, uh, <laughs> and that, what's the third option? Caroline <laughs> said it. She said the road recov for, for recovery is long, so even if he goes with her that day, maybe the next day he won't. And it might go back and forth like that for a while. I, right. I like that, and my thought was actually the sort of the flip side of that, which is I think that that, that catharsis was going to lead to a period of remission that he would backslide, that but then then he he's some he's on his road to recovery at the right. end of the film. But he didn't look like a guy who was going to go calling up a therapist. No, I think he would have gone with the woman on the subway. Yeah. I, I don't think one good cry is yeah. spontaneous <laughs> remission from a lifelong disease. He had no real consequences until he loses his job, until he loses every 
everything that has any meaning to him, which wasn't much. Um, maybe his sister dying, I don't know. But he had to really, there had to be a click and a consequence for him. Yeah. And even her multiple suicide attempts had yes. no permanent consequences. Right. I mean, we saw the, the you know, yeah. it's, it's like rings in a tree, the, the scars yeah. in her arm. Can I say something on what sexually compulsive? Please. I think he needed a star to guide to. He needed some hope. Something. And I saw none of it. It, it actually, it appeared as though there was incest in his family, and uh, I, I saw no hope for him. And for me, to let go meant that I needed to feel that it was going to be okay, and I, I didn't see that here. Um, I'd like to thank Alex Katahakis, Chris Donahue, Ethley Ann Vare, and our three recovering sex addicts, Miles from Sex Addicts Anonymous, Bud from Sexual Compulsives Anonymous, and Carmen from Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. I'd also like to thank, hold your applause. I'd also like to thank American Cinematheque for hosting, the Center for Healthy Sex, and 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment for co-producing. And a big thanks to Steve McQueen, Michael Fassbender, Carrie Mulligan, and the cast and crew of Shame, and all of you. Thank you.